Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. That one was more sultry than ones in past. Well, I forgot my name. <laughs> so I'm like, Al- yes, definitely Alex, <laughs> Alex Good. I wanted to say Alexander for some reason. I think I've been doing too much official business where people need my real name. Yes, because I realized I am in a very small group of people that genuinely call you Alex. That pond of people is smaller than one might think it would be. Yeah, because too many people call me by their last name. Yes. (laughs) It's either your last name, just due to the nature of your work, or your full first name. It's weird, dude. I don't like it. Because it's one of those things that, the most annoying thing is people go, um, hey, Alexander. And I'm like, actually, I go by Alex. Or they'll even say, do people just call you Alex? I'm like, yeah. And then they keep calling me Alexander. I'm like, what? why? Why would you do that? This might, I, I feel confident saying that if you ever meet an Alexander, you can make a safe bet they just go by Alex. Right. They- Every once in a while, you'll get a Xander. Yeah, but you know what? That's on them to tell you about Xander. <laughs> yeah. no, no one's going, Alexander, God, is it Alex or Xan? Man, <laughs> I don't know these days. Those freaking liberals changing names left and right. No one's doing that. You can stick with Alex, and, and the course will correct itself. Dude, it could be. Like, imagine the Williams out there, bro. Oh, like, yeah. Is it Will or is it Bill? Or is it Billy? Or is it just William? Yeah, it's there's a lot of pressure out there, bro. Or Uh, is it something complete? Screw the people who are just like, uh, William, and be like, actually, um, my friends call me Zach. And I'm like, no, they don't. (laughs) No, they don't. (laughs) For what reason? And it's always like the same two reasons. My dad's name is William, so I have to get called something else. And we don't have a middle name. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, that's weird. Or it's like... I don't know. It was a joke like 15 years ago. And they're just. Uh, and now you're signing documents with it? And okay. I'm just like that guy now. I want to say the name that probably has it the worst in terms of assumed nicknames would have. This This one isn't as common, but when it comes across one's personal desk, uh, Christiana, that could be anything. Yeah, that's rough. Um, Catherine, I once knew Kathy, a girl named Christiana. Katie. I once knew a girl named Christiana, and I she had a pr- a different preferred name probably like each month of the two years that I knew her, and it was all variations of her name. Like sometimes it was Christiana, sometimes it was Christiana, sometimes it was just Christy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm on your side, but whatever you're feeling out, feel it out soon. You know those people who like went by a nickname when they were younger and then they got older like i'm going by the full thing so people take me more seriously so oh yeah it's just like like i mean the people who are rob or bob or bobby until they turn 23 and like actually it's robert and i'm like no it's not hey (laughs) sorry my frat house didn't want me to pledge unless i was robert (laughs) yeah get out of here bro hey let me just keep calling you what i've been calling you all the new people can call you that's a great way to discern how people know you Yes. I have people that come up to me and call me by my last name. I'm like, oh, obviously you know me from the military. Or you're an idiot. It's really a mixed letter. And there's probably some overlap. Everyone who calls me Alex, it's always people who knew me high school earlier or people who've known me in the last year or so. Yeah. So it's very easy to tell. Yeah. That that, that fun little five-year period in between. Only professional work. Yeah. So when people call me by my last name i oh, i almost said it i know you up. did i heard it <laughs> um when people call me by my last name it's automatically like all right put on your game face this is serious <laughs> listen no nobody might be in trouble but it's not gonna be fun right it's and, and you know that's fine because i it's nice to have a warm-up when you know a conversation is going to be serious um how many times does this happen to you where they'll be like hey craig uh diane wants to see you in our office and you're like, what are the odds this is a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, gosh. Um, I always lean bad. I'm like, I there's always a pretty good chance well. this is going to be bad. There, The last office job I worked, it was um, 
it was actually pretty split where my boss would be like, Hey, come into the office. And like 95% of the time it was just like a casual thing. Like it wasn't good or bad. It was just, Hey, this is something you need to know. Mm -hmm. Um, but like that, that last 5% man. Ooh, it's a real knockout. Good grief. Yeah. I, uh, and my brother was the sports guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, he was the one that was called Wells, Wells, Wells. And uh, and and then everyone would look at me and just like, no, no, you're Craig. We, we no, you're good with Craig. We got you're, you're Craig. Yeah. It's just weird because it's just a sports thing. Because when you get that many people of the same gender in one place, there's bound to be overlap. There's the bound to be six Johns. The Johns, the Knicks, the Zacks. There's Kevin, all those like generic white names. There's going to be a lot, at least a couple double ups, which is like last names only, which gets tricky when there's like siblings. Oh my God. Yeah. And then you just like, what are we doing here, bro? Let's do we we either need to pivot or go to the movie section. (sighs) Let's pivot. Okay. So uh, we're going to do some cutting around here, but basically Alex and I both did children's theater for longer than we should have is the easiest way to put it and the thing is is they encourage you to do that because as you get older you get better yeah odds of getting leads increase significantly you're competing against third graders and even if you don't get better in terms of skill you get better at following directions and children's theater needs a few rocks in at, in that department right. just following directions we need kids who aren't going to pick their nose when we're trying to teach a new dance yeah so i was the same way where like i remember being a freshman in high school and doing a children's theater show and being like yeah this is this is my last one. I've outgrown this. Now, all this to say, children's theater is a very, like, very important dynamic. And, like, I am grateful that we had so many opportunities to do it in our area. Not many areas get that opportunity. But also know when to bow out. Because I knew a guy who didn't bow out for two or three more years after I did. And I pulled him aside. And I'm like, hey, man, you are, I, I hate to say it, you are better than this. Like you are a junior in high school and but here's the thing. you do not need they to be let doing you elf go up junior. To a senior. And that's when you get the cool roles, bro. That's yes. when you're playing, you're guaranteed a main character because the main character is always played by adults and you look older than everybody else. So it means you're going to have a speaking part. It's hard. It's hard to say no to guaranteed roles because in really real is. world, it's, you're going to be ensemble, man. Because I remember when we, our high school did Cinderella And that was when a friend of mine first started theater. His first show was when we did Cinderella. And then after that, uh, one of the children's theater, community theaters, was doing Alice in Wonderland Jr. And he was like, I just fell in love with theater and I'm looking for every opportunity to do it. Should I do this one? And I'm like, in any other world, yes. But we were one of the first high schools to do the rewritten version of Roger and Hammerstein's Cinderella. That is complicated music, complicated dance, filled with competent musicians. And then you go to a children's theater where chances are your music is going to be played by a soundtrack that just had the voices edited out. And so while I'm glad you have theater in your life now, I implore you to wait until, you know, something up to your level comes around. Right. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, that a lot of children's theater revolves around what your friends are doing. Yes. I did yes. too many bad shows because my friends were doing it. I missed out on shows that I c- could have gotten a great role in because I there's because I didn't like somebody or none of my friends were doing it. I remember distinctly, it's called Beauty and the Beast. Um, the children's you theater You say one, that like it's an indie show. Like, uh, hey guys, Beauty and the Beast. you might have heard, heard, heard of it. Of it. Um, so every year I had to choose between doing the high school show or the children's theater show. And on that one, I did, I chose to do the high school show, which was thoroughly modern Millie. And I didn't do the children's show, which is beating the beast. And I look at who was in that show and look at the roles they got. And I missed amazing opportunities. <laughs> and instead I had to learn Chinese. I I'm one of those people. I, I think looking back on it, I am more grateful for the people that I did shows with. 
Like, st- there are still a few roles where even though I'm four years out of high school and I should know better, I look at it and I'm like, I still could have, like, I know what went wrong, but I still could have done that part. Um, yeah, dude. I toured other schools and gave professional performances to, like, legit pros. And now looking back at that role, I'm cringing. Yeah. It's just, uh, like, but at the end of the day, I, I am happier about the shows that I did with my friends than the ones I did with Like I have done some bad shows, but because I did them with my friends and we were all kind of like in on, like if you do a show that's bad and everyone in the cast recognizes it's bad, then it's that's fun. when then you it's can fun all have, over again. you have so much fun with that. Oh my God. I did a show called Peter panic. That was a parody of Peter Pan. It was set in a high school. It was stereotypical, like, oh, the sports department is going to shut down the theater department. We're going to put on a show of Peter Pan to save the department. And all the characters were just gender-bent or parodied versions of people from Peter Pan. And, oh, man, that show had some of the worst music you have ever heard. But uh, we just did it with a group that realized it was bad. And we're like, we're going to double down on it and embrace every moment. Well, there's a there's a super freeing thing because doing live theater is innately stressful. Yeah. Because if you mess up, it's recognized immediately. When you don't care, there is something so freeing of like, if this goes badly, so what? And I did one show and I didn't have to learn any lines. I just had to like, I was just ensemble. I just had to sing. And I have never goofed off in front of a thousand people before. And it is it feels so good, dude. Just be like trying not to laugh while other people are giving the performance of a lifetime. <laughs> we should probably talk about the movie now. Okay, let's talk about the movie. We watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I can't imagine we're going to say anything that spoils this movie. So we're just going to lump it all into one segment. If you don't want to hear us talk about this movie, you can skip to this time code right here. Time code, 3110. You want to start her off? So, I've only heard good things about this movie. A lot of okay. people, it's Ooh, in people's this like, is a This is a very Alex way for him to pivot into not liking a movie. Let's watch it unfold. <laughs> I've only heard good things, right? A lot of people um, tell me this is like in top 10 material. Um, I had no idea what to expect. It feels indie, just looking at the cover. Um, it's Jim Carrey playing a serious role which seems indie. Um, I didn't know anybody in it when I looked into it. I knew Jim Carrey was in it. I didn't know anybody else. It's got a freaking superstar cast, in case you didn't know. Everybody's in this movie. Um, Nicole Kidman, Kirsten Dunst, Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood. Kate Winslet? Kate Winslet, yeah, sorry. They're the same people. Mm, Yeah, sure. Mark Ruffalo, Elijah Wood, like you said, Kirsten Dunst, David Cross. There's people in it, you know? And... It took me a second to get the movie. Yes, I very much agree. This is the second time I've seen this movie. The first time I watched this movie, I completely bounced off of it. But re-watching it, I was able to... I liked it a lot more. So here's here's the thing. And like I said, the reason why we're doing an all-spoiler section is because there's kind of no way to talk about it without giving it away. Um, at the beginning of the movie, we see two people get together for the first time, right? They they meet on a train and this is Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey. And they're like, they practice. It's, I want I don't want to say it's love at first sight, but they click very quickly. Right. And uh, we watch them go on a few dates and then the movie shifts without telling you. And this is kind of where it gets a little confusing. It, it drags you along the way and it expects you to keep up. And if you don't, uh, good luck. Um, you know, this is one of those things that you need to pay attention. Yeah. You wouldn't you think it's a pay attention movie, but it is. Yeah. It's one of those things that like if you, it's not a, if you don't, you know, won't know what's going on, which might be the case. I'm, I'm pretty sure people could figure it out because it's got some reoccurring themes. That's the, if you're not paying attention, it's not going to mean anything. Like you're not going to, you're not going to be invested. You're not going to care. I don't think. Um, so essentially what happens is where the turn happens is when he finds out that his girlfriend he's with right now, um, Clementine is the character. Clementine is the character's name and his name is Joel. He's over at a friend's house and he gets a letter from them saying, Hey, Clementine has chose, uh, chosen to erase her memories of Joel. Please do not bring up their relationship again. He finds out and he goes, well, that explains when I ran into her the other day, we have 
just recently broken up and she she treated me like she didn't even know me. It's because she did. And dude. this is after days of him trying to contact her and being unsuccessful. Right. And then he realizes that he's had his memory erased or she's had his memory erased of him. And he goes, well, I can't do this anymore. Um, so I'm going to erase my memories of her. And the entire movie is the process of erasing his memories. Yes. And so the I would say like the hook of this movie is as they are erasing, we kind of watch the relationship work backwards. So we start at their breakup and we and we watch the relationship almost get better and about maybe a third through the memory erasing process there's this weird kind of like meta-ness of it all where sometimes the people he's interacting with in his memories know that they're a memory and sometimes they don't right and we're there's in a- his head as memories are getting erased so she is disappearing from memories while he's experiencing them and sometimes, and he can talk to them, not like he did in the memory, like he, like he's out. Like a of new his. conversation. A new conversation. And they will respond with new conversations. Sort of like he's dreaming and it's, it's, he's inventing the experience and people are missing and he can change it and he's interacting it. Like he knows he's essentially he's dreaming and he knows he's sleeping. So he's changing the world around him. And there's a part about a third of the way through the memory erasing process where both Joel and Clementine are like, why did we do this? We're clearly in love. So let's tr- let's run away. Let's escape the memory erasing process. So the I would say the real meat of the movie is watching Joel and Clementine hide in these uh, deeply repressed memories, these embarrassing memories, these vulnerable memories to try to hide from her memory being completely erased because there's, there's a guy even a with fragment. a map because they had when he went to the doctor's office to erase memories he laid out every single memory he had of her so he's going to the places where she wasn't and hiding so when they're going through the map of his brain trying to find these memories he's not there with them so they're seeing memories off the map and they're trying to force him to relive those memories one last time so they can erase them it's confusing because that's not explained to you. All of a sudden yes. you're in his head and you're like, why is he experiencing these memories again? They're supposed to be getting erased. And you realize he has to experience them one more time. He has to remember them and then they'll erase them. So they're forcing him to remember stuff in order for it to be erased. Like there's a moment at the very beginning when he first starts the process where he talks to the doctor, he doesn't respond. And then he talks to the doctor again and the doctor does respond. And that's kind of all the world building we get. (laughs) It's very weird. And then, of course, since it's like all a dreamlike state, he's time means nothing. Setting location means nothing. He's walking through a door. All of a sudden he's in the supermarket, walks through another door. He's in a car like it's 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 incoherent. Yeah. And so Mark Ruffalo and Elijah Wood are the two that are performing the procedure, you know, in in the tangible world. And it's done in his apartment. So Mark Ruffalo and Elijah Wood basically have to spend the night at Jim Carrey's apartment and while they do this whole process. And let me tell you, that is something I don't know if I would ever be comfortable doing. But you won't remember it. Here's the thing. I think no, this no, no, movie, no, 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 no. I'm talking about like from Mark Ruffalo's perspective where like, oh, yeah. I'm going to enter a stranger's apartment and be trusted and left alone with them and erase their memory for eight hours. Here's the thing, to be honest, pivoting a little bit. This movie is almost too complicated to talk about plot wise because we'll just yes, describe very the high concept because there's also Elijah Wood. Um, uh, Elijah Wood Clementine had the subplot. Yeah, so Elijah Wood, I would say, maybe had the most interesting character arc, despite the fact they spent all of seven minutes on it, which is uh, what he did. He abused his power, basically, where he would go in, because a lot of people forget exes, right? That's like the number one reason people go through this this procedure. So Elijah Wood would be like, oh, these women are single now. I know everything about them. I know I'm everything go that they liked and didn't like about their ex. So I can just give them the parts they like. So Elijah Wood's character goes hits goes and hits up Clementine. They're dating. They're sleeping together. They're hanging out. I'm, for Just for like a few nights, not very long. 
Yeah. And um, it, and it's just a, feeding her lines that he had heard from Joel, Jim Carrey's character, that she knows. That she mentally. forgot. Yeah, that she does. So she's hearing them for the first time. But it's de- every time he says something, it's deja vu for her. Yeah. She's like, so, that sounds weird and familiar. He's a super scummy character, obviously, but like it, it was one of the more interesting parts of this movie that they didn't spend a lot of time on. Oh, yeah. Also, there's a super weird subplot at the end that I kind of don't want to get into. Um, yeah. So I know exactly the one you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I'll just break it down real quick where uh, Kirsten Dunst is the uh, not the secretary. Receptionist? The receptionist. Thank you. Of the of the clinic that does the procedure and the she got eternal sunshine she got the procedure done because she was having an affair with her boss right or rather her boss was having an affair with her and so after she gets the procedure done she goes back to work like normal after this night she makes another move on the boss despite kind of dating mark ruffalo and the boss was like oh honey You've already done this. And so it didn't, it didn't quite go down like that, but that's essentially what happened was like, oh, we've already been together. Yeah. You didn't love it. You wanted the, like, there was a lot of inappropriate things. My wife found out and then she finds out the second time and it was just her. Yeah. I liked her better with Mark Ruffalo. So the fact that she even tried to go with the boss at all, I'm like, this feels like. It a felt stretch. forced. Yeah, it was it was weird. It was. I remember because I was super uninterested in the movie by this point when I first watched it, and that kind of like reeled me back in. Like, oh, that would be super messed up if that happened in real life. And then I just and then I immediately fell back out. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty high concept. It's not a lot to explain to you. I I'm not. I wouldn't say I need to be baby fed my concepts, but there was no exposition. You're just in it. And you have to figure it out. But there is something rewarding of once you figure out what happened. And then you realize that the beginning of the movie is actually the end of the movie. It's a whole thing that you go through. Yeah. Um, it's rewarding. Uh, IMDb has this in their top 100 list. It got nominated for two Oscars and won one of them. It's definitely worth watching. Just know that it's a full meal. It's an emotional roller coaster. I did. Did you cry or feel emotional? No, or anything like I mean that? I did feel em- like I didn't feel emotional in the sense of like there were cute scenes, right? Like especially yeah. when they showcase the beginning of the relationship juxtaposed with these people are not right for each other, and here's why. So like that w- that worked very well. I'm not going to say that made me emotional, but I'm like I it, it was engaging. It was cool. But also um, knowing how it ends made it less emotional. Because we know that when they forget each other, which she already has, we're just going through him doing it. We're like, oh, we already know they're going to run into each other again, which took some of the edge off. Yeah. And so like, like I'm telling you, dude, parents and loved ones dying hits me hard. Oh, and children. But that that hits me hard as evidenced by Southpaw, as evidenced by um, that one movie we watched, The Time Travel, About Time. It's just like there's something about it that hits me very hard. And this I felt when they were on their last memory together. Sure. And then I realized, yeah. oh, wait, they're going to see each other again. So it mm-hmm. sucks that they lost this part. But they weren't happy when they were in this relationship. So now we get to do it over again. How do you uh, – this, this, this is a very subjective part now where, like, at the end of the movie, they both get the tapes – of their memory erasing, right? They they get a cassette tape of like it's like a five minute recording of them explaining why they want this person erased from their memory. Because uh, Kirsten Dunst is like, what we do is unethical. I don't stand by it anymore. I'm just gonna give everybody their tapes back. And so, uh, without knowing exactly what it was, uh, Clementine puts it in the car while Joel is driving. They're both in the car, and so. They just hear Clementine insulting Joel for like 90 seconds. He stops the car and forces her to get out. Because he's like, what is this? Where did you get her from? I'm very confused. Because by this time, he had completely forgotten about her. Yeah, which like as a shock response, I'd say pretty valid, all things considered. And then she goes to him. She shows up at his apartment. He is listening to the tape that of him explaining why he wanted to erase Clementine. He offers to turn it off. 
She's like, no, it's only fair that I listen to this as well. And then gets mad about what he says. Yeah, as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, someone couldn't handle it, bro. And what he said was not nice. No, no. also, come on, bro. And it was, a, it was a very clear point where it's like, all right, now that we, like, as soon as they understand the process that they went through, the things that they said to each other to make them want to go through that process, w- there is a decision to be made. Do we try again, knowing what we know now, or, and Clementine makes this point, are we destined to become the people that we know we are going to hate? And I think, would you say the movie kind of leaves it open-ended, or do you think it's kind of clear that Oh, we're getting back together. We'll try again. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I I see a case for either way. I think that Clementine had more work to do than Joel. Yeah, Um, because her complaint about Joel was that he was boring. And his complaint about her was she's emotionally manipulative. And, like, cheats on him. Cheats on him. So... Mm, it's it's hard. This movie also is one of the textbook like when people reference the concept of a manic pixie dream girl, this is one of the movies they reference. They reference this, they reference Scott Pilgrim, and they reference I think 500 Days of Summer, right? So Craig, how in love with her were you? 6 out of 10. Okay. Aesthetic aesthetically aesthetically nailed it. Rock on. Yeah. Personality Fine. I I loved her charisma. She was very bouncy, very, you know, uh, I, I, I liked her. But then you get to, like, uh, the way she treats a relationship. That's when I was like, ugh, never mind. Never mind. Listen, I may be an idiot, but I can see a red flag when they appear. Right. <laughs> and she was a black diamond ski, scope, bi- ski slope, baby. Yeah, it was uh, it was tricky. I, I'm, I'm just not, I wasn't attracted to her character, but then at the end I had Rome. I was, I wanted the romance to work. I'm like, yeah, she definitely. deserves love. You know, not from me, from Jim Carrey's character. And then I, I liked her for the second half of the movie because she started to show an emotional side and the red flags were throwing me off so hard. I'm like, I can't, I can't co-sign this. Is this a date night movie? Uh, I mean, I watched it with my wife. Yeah. But like, I feel like a lot of people watch this with their partners and I'm like, is it though? It was not a date night movie. It's just a movie with romance in it. Mm. Okay. It's it's too. I want to say it's too high concept to be a romantic to be a date night movie because date night movies are supposed to be feel good movies. This is not a feel good movie. Yeah. This is we're gonna f- we keep f- getting back into each other's lives and it's worth it. That's, yeah. I wouldn't say that's romantic as much as it's pragmatic. Like we it's can't a date night you. movie if you're one of those like power of love kind of people. Yeah, but you see so much of the relationship not working that the payoff at the end almost doesn't do anything for you. I feel you know? like we've gone a long time without talking about the scene where Jim Carrey is a four-year-old. Yeah, that was the. He, this is a this is a drama. This is him acting his pants off for a while, and then you're like, oh, we had to throw in jokes. And yeah, forced perspective. Because he, in order to hide from the memory erasing, they he goes to what he called what he's like an embarrassed memory, a memory he's ashamed of, which is him hiding under the table when an attractive babysitter shows up, and uh, Kate Winslet is the attractive babysitter, and she's you know twelve feet tall, and he's under the table, but he's still kind of sized like a grown man. And I'm like, this is, this is weird. We can't, we can't continue without acknowledging it's weird. Right. Right. And it's so obvious forced perspective. Cause you see him get up and I'm like, Oh, he is the exact same proportions as a regular human being, except he's two feet tall and the fridge is big and the table's big and the cookie is the size of a small pizza. It's weird. It looks like an episode of the big comfy couch. Right. Or honey, I shrunk the kids, bro. It was weird. Um, Like I said, I liked this movie better the second time watching it. The first time I watched this, I gave this like a six and a half, six and three quarters. Now, like it's a genuinely good movie and there's a lot of really good performance in it. I just like it. You almost need to watch it twice. I bet the second time you watch this movie, you will like it more. Uh, So I'm confident with a seven and a half on this one. Okay. This movie's got good bones, bro. Good bones. Strong bones. Um, this movie drank its milk. 
Okay. Way to make it weird. I want to say, and I would recommend it to people, but it's, you need to be thinking during this movie, trying to figure it out, to figure out what's going on. I think once you figure out what's going on, like you said, it's going to be better the second time. Yeah. It's not a phone movie the first time around. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy because I know it's a good movie. I just didn't like it. That's okay. You can give it a six. Unless you were going to give it lower. I don't know. I wasn't going to give it lower. It's just one of those things I don't like not liking movies that I know are good. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen yeah. very often. Because the movies I don't like, I'm convinced are bad. Except this one, I'm like, I don't like it, but I know it's a good movie. Okay, here, here's what I will say. Do not forget that I did give There Will Be Blood a five, and I would do it again oh, in a heartbeat. Okay, yeah. Then this movie is uh, it's a six and a half, and I know it's an eight. Or eight and a half, or even a nine, but it's a six and a half. Yeah, and I want to say I had like three or four years between my viewing, so don't come back to this movie soon. It's Let a, it, dude. It's a full meal, bro. You cannot digest this movie. Want to welcome back our audience? Yeah. Hey, non-movie listeners. Um, you you skip dinner, and we it was ribs. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, we're full now, and to be honest, kind of lethargic. We might have overeaten. But Alex, why don't you tell us what we're doing for improv today? Our improv segment is called Hurt My Own Feelings. We've done it a couple times. It's always a banger. Um, Basically, we're going to play characters that have no self-esteem. In our, we're going to be competing for something. or Some might even say we have negative self-esteem. We have negative. To the point that we're saying so many self-deprecating comments... That we're hurting our own feelings. We are exposing the deepest part of ourselves. So we'll put ourselves in a scenario, random characters, and it's a constant, no, you go first, no, you go first, you go first. So great. I'm thinking we do uh, some family counseling. Okay. Um, let's see. We're grief. We're going to a grief counselor together. We're brothers, and our sister just died in a car accident. Okay. Um, a little and darker gonna, than anticipated, yeah. but and we're gonna go I guess this we're, together. we're gonna have to spin this into comedy, I guess. But <laughs> yes. I honestly don't know where that came from, but it's real, bro. All right, unlike our sister, let's buckle in. <laughs> you opened this door, my man. You wanted this. <laughs> Yikes, bro. Yikes. She got killed by a drunk driver. For in case anybody of our audience was wondering what happened to her. Um, also were I just want to say real quick, which is why we're going to real quick yeah. 99. This is not the first time that Alex has mentioned people getting killed by a drunk driver. I cut it out almost every other time. Cause I think <laughs> it's an unnecessary detail. He, I, when I, I'm not kidding when I say he, br- he's brought it up like five or six times during the runtime of the podcast. And I'm like, Alex, this is an unnecessary detail that too many people relate to on an already dark subject matter. And Alex is like, no, they were killed by a drunk driver. Yes. <laughs> Hear me out. I think if we make this show real enough, hopefully we don't trigger people. But <laughs> hopefully we, you know, influence people not to drink and drive. Because they're okay. about to see us relive a horrible moment in our lives. I'm conceding this time so that he doesn't bring it up again. So we'll see how it is. Uh, <laughs> all right, Craig, you ready to go? Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I think... It's important. I know that it's important to remember the the positive memories, right? Like in order to miss someone, you had to have loved them. And I'm trying to focus on the love. But the more I think about the love, the more I just think like how I could have been a better brother and how I could have been more deserving of her love. You know how what I you mean? You could have been a better brother, dude. I was a horrible brother. I can't tell you how many times growing up I pranked her, dude. I sh- oh, dude, the horrible things I did to her. I can't even say it well even though this is okay hp lovecraft (laughs) well you know what i'll give you an example of one horrible thing i did one horrible example there's a kid in our class (laughs) (laughs) you guys you guys will not understand the palpable pause that alex just took (laughs) there was a kid in her class who had cancer and in solidarity my sister shaved her head I cannot tell you how many times I bullied her, made all these alopecia jokes. It was horrible until I found out what it was actually about. And I tell you, I can't every day I relive that moment and I just slap myself in the face. Why did I have to make that joke? Well, I just, I think, I think a lot about how, you know, I wasn't just a bad brother to my sister. 
I was a bad brother to you, and, and I was a bad son to our parents. You know, I I think about the time mom spent all day on the Thanksgiving turkey, and I I actively threw up in the turkey. The turkey was sitting oh, on the counter. No. I stuck my finger down my throat, and I threw up in the turkey hole as a joke. Gang, that's not a funny... I mean, it's... It's a little see even now thinking that it's a little funny I'm still proving to myself that I am I am not cut out to be a member of this family you know but here's the thing she loved you so much and I remember going to your guys's wedding and, um, and yeah yeah I, sure I'm why not up right now I remember I was both of your guys's best man. Because it was only the three of us growing up, so I was close with both of you. And I officiated the wedding. I was heavily involved. And I remember when you guys were saying your vows together. And you said, till death do you part. And I I said, I got 50 bucks. She dies first. I mean, that was a good one. It was a good one. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. I just, I'm, so sorry. I'm reminded. I'm reminded of the time that she ran for governor of Alabama, the state where we're all from. And... I'm just, I didn't support her as much as I was her campaign manager and I actively went out of my way to make sure that her ads were were running at 3 a.m. on Cartoon Network and all the, all, all the dead channels was where I put her ads so that way I could still say, yeah, I made sure those ads got out. I don't know whether or not getting the traction we should be getting. And I, I went out of my way to make a bad campaign and, and she lost, and I feel like I'm the reason she lost even worse than that. I'm the one who convinced Arnold Schwarzenegger to run against her. He was my personal trainer at the time. He was in between movies. And I said, hey, man, my sister's going to do a bang up job. It's going to be rough. I need you to run against. And he was like, there's no reason. I'm I'm a I'm a Hollywood actor. And I'm like, you can't let her win. I'm the reason she lost. It's not your fault. And I'm just thinking, like, even to this day, I'm still not a good brother because I was the one that was in charge of booking this grief counseling session. And there's no one in the counselor's chair. We're just talking to ourselves. I think it's honestly my fault um, because at least we're here. Um, Even worse, I'm drunk right now and I drove myself and I figured. Couldn't happen twice. (laughs) What are the odds, you know? What are the odds? And to be honest. I don't even remember how I got here. Well, I picked you up. You didn't drive. Oh, thank God. That must have been last night. <laughs> well, brother, I think we can both agree that... We have to kill it, each other? Yeah. you. I mean, yeah, that's kind of exactly what I was thinking. You, Cox gun. You, <laughs> nailed it. That was so dark. That was so dark. But you know what? <laughs> I think... I, th- I think... That is the best dark humor that we are capable of. Yeah. I think that might spawn a new improv segment called Remember When, where we just make up memories. <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. And I think we have to... I'm writing that down for later. That was that was freaking awesome. Oh, gosh. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Middle segment? All right. Middle segment is called Hot Takes. Oh, God. We all know that when Alex brings a segment called Hot Takes... I'm going to be in the editor's chair for an hour. Well, on the bright side, Craig, I'm not coming with these hot takes right now. I've pulled them from Reddit unpopular opinions. Best of all time. And you're going to have the option to co-sign them, disagree, or I'll force you to come up with a hotter take. Okay, so let's discuss unpopular opinions once more because we've discussed this in the past. And r slash unpopular opinions is a breeding ground of not genuinely unpopular opinions right it's it is stuff that is purposefully hateful to get a rise out of people and stuff or it's that, something that everybody agrees with but just goes unsaid yes like uh r slash unpopular opinions i think that women should be treated as equal as men not above them like yeah gang we know yeah. we're all on board bro come on so I, I think that's the example I used last time, too, which yeah, proves yeah, that works. maybe I shouldn't be on an improv podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we go. First unpopular opinion. Middle-aged guys don't buy sports cars because they're having a midlife crisis. It's because they can finally afford the car they want. So are you going to cosign, condemn, or cosign or condemn it, or I'll force you to raise your bets if I don't like what you say? I'm going, I, th- I think I'm willing to cosign that. 
I think I'm because like just a sports car. That's not a midlife crisis. It's, you know, I think out of context, it's not a midlife crisis. If you were to look inwards and be like, oh, this guy got a divorce, lost the kids, downsized to a smaller house, but got a sports car. I'm like, all right, he needed something to break even there. Um, but yeah, in general, I think, yeah, there's something to be said of a guy in his 40s just getting a motorcycle versus yeah. a guy in his 40s going to the strip club and trying to hook up with some you know, 20 year old. Yeah. So I, I would be willing to say it's a little bit of both, but someone's not going to get a sports car if they didn't have interest in sports cars to begin with. Right. That's fair. All right. We got a cosign on that one. Next one. Y'all is a brilliant use of the English language. And I refuse to be told otherwise. Co-sign. Y'all is great. I've been using y'all since before I moved to the South. Because it's great at getting people's attention, incredibly gender neutral, and just, it's fluid in the language. It just, it fits like a puzzle piece. All right, hard to argue with that. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion. I agree, I think it's just, yes. Yeah, it is what it is. And, and the people that don't like y'all are, you know, they're people from cities. Like, people from New York aren't going y'all, but get with the times. That's, come on, guys. Right. All right, next, popular opinion. Even if schools taught you how to do taxes or other life skills, most of you wouldn't have paid it attention as a class. I see where this person is coming from. I've heard this argument before. I just... Like, it's, it would still be school, and you wouldn't remember most of it. Yeah. And so, I don't want to fully condemn it. I think the problem is larger than what it is and isn't taught in schools. Like, as we all know, the, here's the hotter take. Stop focusing on it being taught in schools and focus on how it's a crappy system to begin with. Yeah, that's fair. Hey, how come, dude, I think we can all, I mean, we actually, we can't all agree because it would be done by now. The IRS should just send you a bill at the end of the year. Other countries do that. We are the only country that doesn't do that. Now you could choose to have stuff automatically withdrawn from your bank account and put it in a separate account. So you didn't have to worry about saving it independently if you wanted. But you should know how much you owed because someone else already did the math. But being like taxes are a cruel game of guessing how much you owe and the penalty for getting it wrong is prison. It's not Buck fair. wild. Buck wild. It's crazy, dude. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a hot take, but I, I'll co-sign your hot take. If you need. Oh, dude. <laughs> okay. If you need a wheelchair due to your weight, it should be mandatory that it's a manual chair rather than a powered chair. No, I'm condemning this one. The. the skinny people love talking about overweight people without like, you know, just general experience. Um, and I think it's, it comes from an incredible elitism of I'm already skinny and you should be like me when, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it. Sometimes. Yeah. It's neglect of health. Sure. But there's also a lot of genetic components that go into it. There's financial components, geographic components. Like, sometimes you just roll the dice and get a good metabolism. And I think putting restraints on stuff like that is only going to make losing weight less accessible. And also, hey, bud, that manual one, only going to work your arms. Not not, going to do the effect you think it will. All right, because I don't want to get canceled more than I already have, I'll let you have that one. Okay, unpopular opinion. Digital copies of games should be far cheaper than physical copies. Because of manufacturing, shipping, shelf space, sourcing the materials, all that. Yeah, I think the short answer is, yeah, I'll co-sign that. I don't know enough about, like, um, game publishing to get into that but you know on the surface level i'm willing to say sure why not until given evidence otherwise i'll co-sign that all right unpopular opinion telling a guy to just be confident as dating advice is like telling a depressed person to just cheer up yeah that's true no i co-sign that we talk a lot about how uh the difference between attractive and um creepy is physical appearance yep you can get away with a lot just because you're good looking. So it's a serious I, privilege. 
So some people will walk up confident as hell, but come off incredibly creepy and conceited because they're not as physically attractive. So I, yes, I co-sign this. Yeah, I will say there's some nuances to this. Yes, oh, definitely. There's, I mean, there's comedians that are just downright hard to look at, but they're just there's some they, their personality is so refined you can't help but want to be around them. Yes, yes, obvi- yes, correct. All right, kids who succeed academically academically deserve scholarships more than kids who are good at sports. Again, this is one of those things that was posted as a. What this says is. I don't like sports. Yes. Th- that's how this, this guy's reads. coming with baggage. Yeah. Th- this guy has a personal vendetta against sports and he's trying to air it out here. Now, here's the thing. He's correct. Or they okay. are correct, rather. Bro. I- and and I'll so. I'll fight you on this one. And here's so. Here's the thing. I'll let you go first. I'm just going to say if it, if it's, if they're going to a university, right? Universities or like colleges like their main goal first and foremost is education. So if I understand that sports is what brings in the money. And so they are getting money by letting people come for free. That will make them money later on. I understand that's like the business beside it. Right. But in an ideal world, the people that deserve, this is, this is heavy language, but the people that are there for the college's prime reason are the people that should probably get the scholarships okay in an ideal world sports and schools should not be affiliated at all yes i agree like Like, that's wild the fact that you have to go to you don't have to you 99.9 percent of people who go pro have to go to college yeah so if you want to have pursue your career if you want to be a doctor you have to go to college. If you want to be a professional football player, you have to go to college. And it sucks that you have to go to the same place. Like, those careers have nothing to do to each, do with each other. So we should send this guy to football college or something like that. I Yes, I would 100% just be the agree. next level and then let them go pro. But the fact that there are prof- college football players at Harvard who got full-ride scholarships who are going to – might go pro – who are also there with the Barack Obamas of the world is ridiculous. Yeah. So again, we need to look at the system, not so much the one symptom. Yeah. But also if I had to choose who deserved it more, I mean, football players, bro. And I'll tell you why, because it takes work. No, no, no. I'm not denying that at all. I, I, I do not want to diminish the physical like athleticism that goes into it. But like you said before, there just needs to be a different place for it. Right. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to force you to take some hot takes soon. Um, and by soon, I, I mean the next one. Here's what I'm going to say. I, do, I don't want to run away from this quite yet. Um, this brings up a very great point of people are way too proud of their alma maters. I'm Dude, a be- it doesn't matter. None of it matters. Okay. I mean, we could talk about how. Nah, here's nah. the thing. I love the school I went to. I would yeah. not have half the opportunities I have right now if I didn't go to the school I went to. Um, I'm not proud of it. It's, it's I'm the lucky people to that, have like, it. It's the people that are in their mid-50s still cheering for Michigan State because that's where they graduated from. I'm like, you can't – like, don't take it so personal, man. You, you're you not on that football team. I, I would be like, take it as personal as you would your favorite basketball team or anything else. Don't make it because you went there just as personal because I got news for you, bro. None of your teachers are still there. If you're in your 50s or 60s, none of them are still there. Okay, maybe a couple who just got started, like your 101s, but there's no one there that even remembers you. There's no trace that you were ever there. So, it doesn't matter. Move on, bro. All right, here we go. Oh, dude, this is, we got another attack on overweight people, and I'm forcing you to take a hot take on this one. So, no co-signing or condemning. You have to take a hotter take. Yikes, this is bad. If you gave a pill to overweight people that made them magically wake up with their ideal body weight, they would take the pill. The I love my body the way it is is just insecure posturing. And I'm forcing you to take a hotter take. Okay, here's the hotter take. Conventionally attractive people refuse to believe that some other people could be attractive, attracted to the unconventional. So when someone is like, oh, you would rather be skinny than overweight. Like health wise and feel better wise, sure. But if someone is into me because they're into me, 
like, I'm not going to knock that away, right? If they're like, I genuinely prefer you at this body type, and if you want to get healthier for your health reasons, sure, but I don't want you to, to make you more attractive, then, like, that's not on me. That's not on that person. It is up to the conventionally attractive people to suck it up. I think you, I know what you're saying, and it makes sense, but I'll also say, I mean, you know what, never mind, because you took a hotter take, it doesn't matter what the original take was. We're going to do one more. Okay. Um, Making fun of men who lose their hair because of male pattern baldness is body shaming. Yeah, dude, straight up, okay, let's get, re- let's get real for a second. Um, <laughs> One time, I made a playful joke about uh, someone losing their hair that I thought was a playful joke that they that I did not know was a genuine insecurity of theirs. And uh, I lost a lot of their respect for that, or they lost a lot of respect for me because of that. And it is one of the few moments that I genuinely wish I could take back. Uh, When I realized how, how important that was to him, I I apologize, but like, it's one of those things, the damage has been done. Um, So yeah, I, I, I think some people take it better than others and it's important to know a person beforehand to be like, uh, is this something that you want to joke about? Or like, is this n- off the table? So, right. yeah, I, I co-sign that. Yeah, it's tricky, dude, because you never know when people joke about it themselves, if they're comfortable with other people joking about it. Self-depreciation is deprecation. I guess it's both. doesn't work both ways. Like, just because I can make fun of it doesn't mean you can make fun of it. Yeah, definitely. But I'm making fun of it. So you don't have to. It's a whole thing. I haven't experienced it. I think when I recognize it, I'm probably just going to shave my head, to be honest with you. Sure. And I'll I'll take away the question of whether or not I was going I was going bald. I'll just be like, I just decided to shave it and I'll just never try and go back so I can hide that. Um, But men do have this weird thing about their hair. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, we don't need to get into it. Well, that was um hot takes. Uh. Craig really laid out for us his emotions and uh, bared his soul. More vulnerable than I was anticipating, but that's some <laughs> real conversation from the desk of Permanent and Good. All right. So we're going to move on to the one-hit wonder. Yep. Uh, this one's very simple. It's four truths and a lie. I, scour- I scoured the internet for four of the really just like wildest facts I could find, right? Okay. And I made up one more. So it is up to you to de- to determine which one is the lie. Very simple. Okay. Almost 99% of black market purchases are for completely legal items, but are done to avoid paying taxes on those sales. Oh, that's got to be true. That's so, that's, if you came up with that, I don't know. I got to do something for you. After the first ice age, over 100 species were lost to extinction due to the extreme climate. One species, however, was able to return from extinction over 200,000 years later, the modern-day emu. Sure. Okay. When haggling for a price with a car salesman, you can ask for their address, and they legally have to tell you. This is due to a surge in reckless selling in 1992 that caused dozens of domestic crimes across the country, and the risk of the salesman privacy keeps them in check. If that's true, that's very disturbing, and I'm hoping that's not true. Circus trapeze artists are all trained in ASL. This is to allow them to communicate with each other quickly in the air without alerting the audience to the tone or urgency of their situation. No way that's true. That That's false. Okay, final one. Yeah, Since it's got to since the start of the pandemic, many candy companies have created rope versions of their products. This is because with fewer workers to maintain the machines, the rope candy became more sustainable due to the low-intensity maneuvers the machines needed to perform to make the candy. Sure, that, is, that can be true. The trapeze one is ridiculous. Ridiculous? Why do you think that? It's, uh, it's just, it's just, dude, in my head, I'm seeing like, what's that one Hugh Jackman movie? greatest showman they're so far away from each other if they can see that also no one's gonna pick up on that it's just i don't like it i really don't like it there's just something that smells off about it yeah and if it is true good for you bro i guess all right um well the the prestige on this one is that i made them all up (laughs) 
I was just like, uh, 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 how many facts can I get him to believe? And apparently three of them. Well, easily. Wait, yeah. There's a couple of the shurs where I'm like, okay. The first one was so wild <laughs> that I'm like straight up impressed. <laughs> the other ones where I'm like the like the emu, I'm like, I don't think that it I figured it was a thing. I didn't think it was for an emu. It's um, one of those things where it's like, uh, you would again, you would see this on Reddit. That's like, what's one fact you didn't believe that was true until you looked it up yourself? None of these. They're yeah. all lies. So here, audience members, the task I have for you is try make this common knowledge. Try try these on try these on your friends. Use use hashtag PG lies and tell us how it yeah, goes. Spread disinformation. Let's see how it goes. Active. Di- Let's be clear. Active disinformation, some of which about the pandemic itself. So (laughs) please go out of your way to lie to your friends uh, and tell us how it goes. Sure. Why not? Free balling segment. Love it. You have Uh, two things. You start with yours. Card counter. It's got Tiffany Haddish and Oscar Isaac. Okay. Bad movie. I, I really have yet to find a Tiffany Haddish movie that sells me on Tiffany Haddish. So here's the thing. This director had worked with other actors before that were primarily stand-up comedians. Um, and like Richard Pryor. And I think he did an Eddie Murphy movie. Like this dude's prolific. He's like, I'll take a chance on stand-up stand-ups because they'll learn. It's harder to be funny than it is to be dramatic. Yeah. Tiffany the director's Haddish is name is Paul actress. Schrader, by the way. Oh, the more you know. He was the writer of Taxi Driver, in case you were curious. Oh, so he's kind of famous. Um, Tiffany Haddish is a bad actress. The script was trash. A bad actress cannot save a trash script. There's nothing you can do. Oscar Isaac was acting so hard, it covered up the bad script. But I remembered how bad it was when she started acting. It was rough. It's slow. A lot of it doesn't have resolution. And the ending sucks. Because here... I don't want to knock Tiffany Haddish completely out because she was in an Eric Andre movie called Bad Trip that I thought she was really funny in. I I did like her in that, but that movie was unscripted. So maybe she's just like a better improv comedian than she like. She's just better. Or she's good at playing herself because she yeah. was pretty much herself in this movie and it just didn't fit the tone of the movie. And the, the dialogue sucked, bro. So I think... My appreciation for Tiffany Haddish is few and far between, but not non-existent. Um, yeah, so the background on the movie, in case you have to watch it, um, there's a guy gets out of prison. Um, he was in prison for in Guantanamo Bay. He was torturing prisoners. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, his commander, a bunch of other people were doing it, but he took pictures while it was happening. So his face was in it. He got blamed, did like 15 years. In the, he was in the army, so he went to the army brig, did straight up time in prison. While he was in, he learned how to count cards, got really good at poker, got really good at a lot of games. He got out, and he was traveling from casino to casino, counting cards. He never made enough money for the casinos to kick him out, so they all knew he was doing it, but he was walking away with like $800,000. Enough to live, but not enough to get kicked out. Then Tiffany Haddish comes in and says she wants him to join the World of Poker tournament, and that she will set him up. And sponsor him so they'll have to split winnings but he can get in now with no money down then a kid comes up to him says hey my dad was with you in guantanamo it ruined his life and we want to go and hold he ended up dying i think he killed himself and we want to go hold the commanding officer responsible so the whole time was oscar is like trying to convince this kid that revenge is not the answer i did all this time in prison i've gotten over it i'm gonna win all this money i want you to repair your relationship with your mom and none of that happened it was a bad movie, dude. It was slow, and you keep thinking it's going to get better. It's not. The dialogue sucks. There's a lot of weird, quirky stuff he does that has no explanation. William, Willem Dafoe's in it. He's the commanding officer. He knocked it out of the park, but he's only in the movie for 15 minutes. I'm giving this movie a four. All right. All right. Um, I watched Nobody with Bob Odenkirk oh, and Christopher Lloyd. Have you seen it? No, but I want to. Okay. Um, from what you told me of Wrath of Man, kind of similar vibes, all right? Okay. So um, the movie kind of takes its time telling you this, but you pick on it, pick up on it pretty quickly. Um, Bob Odenkirk plays ex-government agent who was like he, – he, he was called an auditor, which means 
when he went to the CIA and the FBI and other agencies like that, he either cleaned up their act or left no one there to do a bad job. Very violent job. And so when he says he re- left no one there, he kills don't them. mean got them fired. Okay. Yeah. Murders, kills dead people. Sure. Uh, um, and so after that, he's like, I want out of the life. He starts a family and becomes a nobody nine to five takes a bus, all that stuff. And then someone breaks into his house and basically starts that all up in his head again. And the rest of the movie is just very John wick tight action scenes, lots of gunplay in just creative fights um, to kind of give you an idea of what this movie is like. It is written by the guy that wrote all three John wick movies. Oh, beautiful. And it is directed by the guy that directed hardcore Henry. So, and if you're familiar, which is kind of more of an indie action film, but also was that the one that was in first person. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, movie. So if you like super John Wick stylized action, that is this movie. It takes a little bit to get started because they really hammer down the the point of he is a nobody. So you see a normal person's life for like 25 minutes. Um, but it's only to make that reveal of, oh, dad's actually a badass. It makes that spin a little bit cooler. Um, Christopher Lloyd is in the movie for a little bit, but the character he plays is like, he's almost the comedic relief character. Um, but yeah, Bob Odenkirk is, I love him so much. So if you just want to see him be an action star for a movie, no, uh, nobody, maybe like a seven and a quarter, seven and a half. Sweet dude. I'm going to watch it. Let's uh, round this thing off with Cruella. Okay. I have heard mixed reviews of this bad boy. The movie's over two hours long. Which is not great. It's too long for a PG movie. Um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of conversation around fashion in this movie. I forgot who Cruella DeVille was. I'd seen 101 Dalmatians, but it's been a while. I saw live action and animated. This falls more of the live action stuff. She In 101 Dalmatians, she is a fashion designer who wants 101 Dalmatians because she wants to make them into an outfit. I can tell that Alex just like this movie drained him as a person because he is giving such low energy when describing this movie. It's like uh, he uh, he almost resents the fact that he has to describe this movie. Right. Greg, how much does who you're watching a movie with affect you in the movie? Um, At home, more than in a movie theater at home, maybe like 60 percent. Well, I watched this movie at home with my mom. Okay. So it was rough. Every non-funny joke that boomers laugh at, she laughed at. Good. Good, good, and good. it made the movie very hard to watch because some things just aren't funny, bro. Um, I'm not going to go through it. I think it's important to know that Cruella's mom was killed and she battles with it. It's a main motivator. Um, the She has an adversary. A, a lot of this movie is the fashion industry, bro. A lot of it. And it's so like I'm the looking 1920s. through I'm looking through some of the quotes on IMDb to try to find these unfunny jokes. Uh I found one very quickly. Uh Cruella Deville says, You killed my mother, and the Baroness has to say, You need to be more specific. Yep. Great joke. Nailed it. Got it. And I'm there sure you nailed that in this movie. Too. It's and they are important, but you have no idea why she Cruella. You feel bad for this is like the classic like uh, maleficent thing going on where we tell stories from the viewpoint of the antagonist. And then at the end, you're like, wait, so why are they the bad guy again? Like, I don't understand how they're so bad and other stuff. And you realize perspective is everything. And this movie isn't bad. There's a plot twist about halfway through. Um, Pretty okay. And she doesn't treat her friends very well. And that kind of sucks. It's a great kids movie, but it's long. I'm just going to give it a flat six. All right. I respect that. I respect that. That's a man. Yeah, that's all we got. So next week we are watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I'm very excited because this movie is uh, revolutionary and I I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. So this is me. You haven't seen it. it? No, I haven't seen it. I've seen Alex. What do you think I'm doing? Picking movies I've seen already. Um, This movie I haven't seen since I was a kid. But when I was a kid, I saw it like three or four times. And it's got, I think the 
fact that it's got so much icon, like there's so many iconic scenes that you're going to recognize half the movie. Oh, dude, I'm so excited. I'm very excited. It's going to be fire. But I'm looking forward to it. Until next week, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces.